Episode 86 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Cerovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. We are also joined this week by friend of the pod, astrophysics PhD, baseball deconstructor extraordinaire, three-time guest, first three-time guest on the pod we just discussed before we started recording, Dr. Meredith Wills. Welcome back. Hi, how are you guys? (laughs) We are good. Um, So as our listeners may already suspect, just by hearing who we have on the pod today, uh, we are here to talk about the baseballs. So Meredith, tell us about the balls. I had to I had to start with that. Just a little (laughs) bit of a joke. Um, (laughs) um, First, I feel like in order to start talking about 2021 and all the nonsense that's going on in 2021 to even like get there, we need to sort of recap what was going on in 2020 because so much was happening in 2020, like baseball not happening being one of the things um, that like I feel like the ba- the baseballs was kind of like a roller coaster ride and like nobody understood what was going on. So can you just recap really quickly what we know about the, the 2020? baseballs did mlb use juice balls did they not what was the situation well 2020 was a little bit i mean obviously nobody was expecting 2020 to become 2020 and all i was really waiting for was to see if they were going to keep using something like the 2019 so that was sort of what i had lined up and you know then of course because pandemic uh (laughs) I didn't think there were going to be 2020 baseballs to look at. I'd had a bunch of spring training balls and um, it was an, I I guess in a way I got lucky in that because of the, the fact that we did have a season and in some ways the different, the different ways things were structured, uh, everything comes through some kind of a source. And I suddenly had to scramble for very different kinds of sources because of the way all the COVID protocols were being done. But it worked. And I got a remarkable number of baseballs that, you know, in general, just kind of seemed like we'd gone back to something like the 2018, but not quite. And it was, I had uh, enough, you know, just, just, you know, worked out to, I was going to say I had 43 balls and 15 of them didn't quite fit and taking them apart I I realized that they actually were physically different on the inside they were made to different internal specifications Uh, but it wasn't like random they were all 15 were made to the same specifications the other 28 were made to those specifications and the 28 were matched like everything that had ever come before as far as, you know, the pill and the different internal layers of yarn. And then this, these 15 were very different. And so it's kind of like, oh, okay, two different kinds of baseballs. And I, frankly, that much of a difference seemed to me like it, something had to happen. Because, you know, if you think about it, we'd gone from, you know, 2015, I guess up through 2019. But... The balls, particularly like 2016 through 2018, if if I hadn't, you know, been told, okay, this is from a given year, you can't tell them apart pretty much at all just by taking them apart. It doesn't work that way. It's like you needed that whole population to have any kind of feel for this change in drag or whatever. So what I'd found with these new balls was that the inside was two and a half grams lighter, which is again, Mm. a substantial amount in this Mm. case. And it was changes to two yarn layers, not one. So it was, it was clearly a, a deliberate change. You know, it was something someone had planned. It couldn't just have been, you know, some kind of fudge or error. And with that dramatic a change, it seemed weird to me that you wouldn't have some kind of performance difference. Uh, unfortunately, the balls were identical on the outside, 
so literally, unless you took them apart, you couldn't tell. And I mean, to this day, I actually, unless a ball is really heavy or really light, I don't know which it's going to be. And I'm wrong a lot mm. <laughs> until I take the covers off. But um, yeah, so, you know, found this. It did look, I thought, when you looked at some of the home run data, like there might have been balls that carried two different ways. Um, I had thought that the balls maybe that that were carrying farther were these new ones because they were at least lighter, uh, not necessarily smaller, but lighter. And um, when I ended up doing an article with Stephanie Epstein in Sports Illustrated, which um, is it's from February, amazing, worth reading. Like her, her, I just have the science. She's actually got the cool stuff. You know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, we, we approached MLB and said, you know, yeah, by the way, there are these two different kinds of baseballs. And they said, oh, yeah, there are. And um, the baseballs that the, those new baseballs, but you didn't find those in games, did you? So, well, well, yeah, actually, I did. Um, so they said, OK, well, you weren't supposed to. But these are the balls that are going to be the balls for 2021. And that they had made an intentional change without telling anyone ahead of time uh, to the inner layer of yarn in that they actually loosened the winding. So basically what they did was it's like they made it by making the yarn like wound less tightly, it makes it squishier. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it's going to be, you know, when the ball hits the bat it squishes more and so the coefficient of restitution or the cor becomes lower with the idea being it was going to lower exit velocities and therefore you would get home runs not traveling as far Uh, i think the implication was that somehow despite changing the interior by that much they thought that drag from the exterior was going to be the same Um, but that's what they told us. And then two days after we got the statement, they sent out that internal memo to teams to say, oh yeah, by the way, Mm -hmm. four days before we were able to get the article out, but two days after they told us, so you can do the math. Um, and and so people got to hear about the internal memo. Um, and that's actually something that I think people forget is that was literally just sent to GMs, AGMs and equipment managers and it was leaked, and that's how the public knows. So to this day, MLB has never made an official statement about a change to the ball. Um, they have acknowledged it sort of. It is reported that way all over the place, but there is nothing that's ever been said officially by MLB, even to like the Players Association, to my knowledge. Um, but you know, here we are, and we suddenly have this season where we... You know, yes, there's still home runs getting hit, but that's not what anyone's noticing. (laughs) And for some reason, exit velocities are up instead of down. And drag is really up, but apparently not up enough to necessarily make fewer home runs. And break is remarkable. (laughs) So that we're suddenly having more no hitters in the first six weeks of the season than we or as many no hitters as we've had in like any previous season assuming you count madison bumbarders so <laughs> but while while we're you know changing things about baseball you know why not just run with it right yeah don't get me started i think the pod is pro bumgarner no hitter yeah yes yes indeed. yeah I'm I in my case, you know, I'm more just anti seven inning double headers. I agree. Yeah, but, well, that and, and so I, it's like I don't even want to have been put in that position to begin with. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and the and the runner on second, the phantom runner. Uh, That's the worst. That's yeah, what, what happens? What happens when you have someone who who pitches a legitimate perfect game and loses? Right. Have they? They clearly have not taken all this into consideration. Yes. <laughs> They should put us in charge. Exactly. In my opinion, yes. Well, you know, just every once in a while, there's the discussions of needing a new commissioner, so you guys can apply. I'll put my hat (laughs) in the ring. I don't mind. Mm -hmm. Or you could just become the GM of the Rockies. (laughs) Fair enough. I think that's open, right? Yeah. (laughs) They could use one. So, you know, just to kind of connect the, the, what you're saying about, like, 
the break and um you know we we think kind of in the vernacular of the ball being deadened is Mm -hmm. that kind of what you're seeing in the 2021 balls that it's that it's you know we think of like as a dead ball that just doesn't carry and kind of flops a little bit i mean if you know what this is what this has done it's like in the same way that like all of these other rule changes like you know mad bum okay was it a no hitter or not and it's like you're forcing us to reframe the questions and the definitions in a way that we never intended to have to do the whole dead ball thing frankly feels the same way because it before we had the stack has data and we started thinking about drag a dead ball had to do with changing the interior with making you're changing the exit velocity basically you know that would be deadening the ball would be slowing it down coming off the bat and so that was what mlb was trying to do if that's your definition of dead then they failed miserably because exit velocities are up as far as we can tell with introducing this new baseball so they got that very wrong um and i think they probably just failed to take into account that what it looks like to me is that humidity might have been the issue this is what i was seeing with some of the spring training balls uh it does if if you've got like something coming out of a humidor or a nice enough environment the balls really do look the same as others if you dry them out, suddenly they get really, really small. Mm. I think the inside is shrinking more. So I, I, I kid you not, I have made a DIY humidor, two of them, in fact. Turns out you can do that. Like baseball humidor, not not sh- cigar. You built and saunas I'm, I'm, for I'm, your right. baseballs? Uh, actually, <laughs> well, ish. A regulate, <laughs> I mean, it's regulating, but kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool, actually. I'm pretty psyched. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm running a genuine experiment, actually, to see how the balls respond to humidity. And I think, you know, I'm still waiting on the data, but I do think that the new spec baseballs may be more sensitive, particularly to dry conditions. And if that's the case, then that might explain why exit velocities ha- are up, is because once you pull enough moisture out of the ball that more loosely wound internal layer i think is basically just being collapsed in on by the outside and so suddenly it's like it didn't matter if it was wound loosely or not it's just down plus you've got a ball that's smaller which will also up the exit velocity i think i saw a tweet from you not to interrupt but um that you thought that's why the no hitters were thrown in the same same areas that it had to do with the humidity like it's the same teams getting no hit well here's the thing i'm not sure um but i i the fact that i think humidity is a factor because the the pitchers that threw the no hitters play in home parks that do not have humidors so presumably they would be playing with say dried out baseballs uh they pitched in parks that do have humidors, but it's not their regular baseball. I do not know what effect that could have, but I'm really curious to see what the balls. I mean, one thing that has come up is when I've been, you know, talking to sources about baseballs, there are now 10 parks that have humidors. Oh, and so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, including uh, including City Field, by the way. Really? Um, yeah, you didn't. City had last year too. Hmm. Oh. Um, but the uh, in in cases where there are parks, well, actually, in general, frankly, but particularly if I can get game balls from parks that have humidors, I'm actually asking sources to put it in a Ziploc bag, like literally seal the thing before they send it to me, so that it's airtight. And so at least it's not being affected by the conditions as it's getting mailed and right. it doesn't get a chance to change or at least not much. Um, and you know, there, there, there's the balls are different just a little, I, I'm still, again, right now I'm talking about the data. I do not know the implications of those data, but 
there, I think humidity does play a factor here. And it's like they designed that new spec ball in almost maybe humidor type conditions. I mean, for instance, an, an air conditioned lab might've done it. If all of the testing was done purely in an air conditioned lab, you could get where they went. If that makes sense. So do you think baseball will get desperate and pivot to like, if they have a batch of 2019 baseballs lying around, do you think they'll like just throw those back in to like, you know, cause you can't have a no hitter thrown every week, basically. I don't, I mean, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. One of the things that, first of all, it does look like they probably mostly ran out of 2019s anyway. Um, you know, and some of that was just finding out when the turnover was, um, oh, here, here's, here's one. And this, it's not going to end up in any publication mostly because it's such a little thing, but it turns out that the two balls that were used during the 2019 postseason were not 2018s and 2019s. They were 2019s and 2020s. I kid you oh. not. Oh. They were made oh. in August. Of, uh, they were made in August of 2019, which was part of the 2020 production cycle. So it's kind of like they teleported them back in time <laughs> so that you could play the 2019 postseason. But, you know, the reason they seemed like 2018s is because it turns out, yeah, that old, that regular spec or old spec 2020 baseball looks a heck of a lot like a 2018. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure there would be a lot of 2019s lying around. Uh, the whole thing with the baseballs, though, I mean, they do have a lot of leftovers, you would assume. Uh, because we only played 60 games last season, and they also had AAA, and they'd made baseballs for AAA, and there was no AAA at all. Right. So, um so, yeah, I mean, one thing that's definitely showing up in the balls I have so far is, and MLB said this in their, in their statement to us, in their internal memo, that they were going to be using balls that had been made in 2020 as part of the 2021 regular season. And that was like they were literally being kept back for that. And, yeah, I'm definitely seeing 2020. In fact, I'm seeing well, maybe not all, but large, large percentage of 2020 baseballs so far. Um, that might just be a first in, first out thing. Because, uh, I mean, we're a quarter of the way into the season. We still got three quarters to play. The 2021s could still, there, not that there haven't been any, there just haven't been as many as I might have expected. Mm -hmm. But considering they already said we're going to use 2020s in 2021 because of you know the way they were doing things, you know, there you go. So it's it's already weird as far as when the balls were made and when they're being used. <laughs> so as we all know, the overall decrease in offense that we're seeing is is not just about home runs, although exit velocities are up, like you mentioned, but batting averages are down across the league. There's an unusually high number of no hitters, as we discussed. And guys like Don Mattingly and Clayton Kershaw have recently talked about how this has been a trend that's been building over the last 10 to 15 years in baseball. And it sort of, on the whole, makes the game less entertaining. Um, do you sort of agree with that take? And what do you think is the solution other than tweaking with the baseballs purposefully or accidentally, however, whatever the case may be like better quality control of the baseballs like any sort of tweak to the baseballs there are obviously like other ways to sort of push the game in a certain direction like what do you think that there is something broken in the game and if so how can we fix it well I mean here's the thing yes there's something broken but I'm not sure it was broken to begin with I think they broke it because they thought it was broken and they tried <laughs> to fix it Did they see where I'm going? and then they broke it, it. I have to say, I've never felt so, like, in tune with Major League Baseball before. Like, I, too, frequently break things that weren't actually broken. Just <laughs> in the act of attempting to fix them, I, yeah. I feel it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will admit that, that sort of the more time I spend doing this, that 
one of the things that came up with the and the original home run committee when they were just looking for 2017 they were just looking for the source of home runs they didn't necessarily expect it to be the ball but when they discovered it was the ball there was also a lot uh, said on the variation the ball to ball variation which is a real thing and that was not something that the home run committee liked and so one of the things they emphasized was can we make the ball more consistent I have yet to see anybody, as scientists, you will appreciate this. I do not know how consistent is possible to begin with. That was never addressed. What (laughs) are the uncertainties? They just assumed that whatever they were getting, the uncertainties were like, they could bring the uncertainties down. And I have never seen anybody ask the question, what's a viable range like for real right. uh you know it, there there were there were few things in there actually that that sort of spoke more towards an idealized ball than realistic manufacturing conditions and so i genuinely am not sure and i've even been going back and like looking at historicals i've been looking ball at balls back into the 90s uh you know when i haven't been doing this recent stuff and yeah, things like, you know, the lace thickness things that I found, lace thickness changes season to season. Yeah. Going back a while. And by the way, it seems to be not unrelated to home run rate. Oh, gee, oh. what a surprise. Right. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I'm still working on it. I'll let you know. I have several hundred baseballs to go through at least. You think I'm joking? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we do not. Trust we us. definitely no. do not. But so the... um. So, yeah, I mean, things like, for instance, the quality control uh, definitely need to be done. One thing, and in the same way that I have spent ages saying, no, really, you know, there there was not a conspiracy to create the 2017 ball or whatever. You know, they weren't deliberately. There's no way they could have been deliberately juicing that ball. I'm sorry. It just makes no sense. Um, I actually like the behavior of this new spec ball. And I like the behavior precisely because MLB screwed it up. I think this is, if, if we could be using this ball in perpetuity, I think it could fix the game and I'm really glad they got it wrong. Um, and I, It actually comes back around to your Don Mattingly thing, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the whole point was, uh, you know, fewer home runs, and they just seem to think fewer home runs was going to be enough. Uh, yes, we are absolutely seeing dominance right now with pitching. But part of that, you know, part of that is because the ball is, is breaking better. Uh, I'm not going to go anywhere into the substances thing. But anyway. Um, but also, guys have, entire teams have been built around three true outcomes. Yeah. And, and so it's basically, you know, which... Yes, walks, but if we just think in terms of strikeouts and home runs, what happens when you play three true outcomes baseball with a ball that no longer carries well enough to be a home run all the time? You get an awful lot of strikeouts yeah. because they are being they, they are in a mindset where the, those are the two options. You hit the ball over the fence or you strike out. So if you can't hit the ball over the fence, you strike out. Um, the higher exit velocity, though, is perfect for the kind of fast-paced game that people seem to want. Uh, watch, watch any team now when, when they're setting up in the infield. And by the way, if they change this rule, I, sorry, you can already hear the anger coming through in my voice. <laughs> um, the idea of the infield having to stay on the dirt the ball right now, because of the higher exit velocity, watch the infields. They are standing on the back edge of the dirt. Some of them are in the shallow outfield. Oh. And that's for good reason, because the ball is coming off the bat faster. Yep. If you're too far in, it's unfieldable. But it also means the ball, even with the shifts, the balls are getting by guys a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more for the running game that can be done now. Everybody is being forced to hurry up on the fielding in a way that was was not happening before faster exit velocity is actually making for a pretty cool game 
particularly because it's a faster exit velocity that can't leave the park as well. This is a really good ball, provided you're not trying to hit home runs. Yeah, It's going to sound like a weird... My favorite team to watch so far this year, believe it or not, for the base paths, has been the Marlins. They are a fun team. goes back to Mattingly, but they're all about speed and you know, and, and keeping the other team off balance and, you know, just, just getting around the base. It's a very different small ball approach, but I mean, I watched, I went to the whole series with them against the Brewers and by the third game, I felt like they were totally inside the Brewers heads, like collectively because they just didn't know how to deal with this kind of team playing so aggressively with a ball that lent itself to aggressive small ball. Yeah. Yeah, Like it's there. (laughs) So, and, and thank you for coming to my Ted talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also I think, um, you know, they mentioned this on the Mets broadcast that, you know, with analytics and everything, defensive positioning is so, I mean, defensive defense, it's hard to measure, but, you know, defensive positioning is just so advanced nowadays that even if you smoke a ball, it could be right at a fielder or so I think, you know, it's, it's hard to get a hit even when you, you hit it a hundred miles an hour. Well, it's also, I mean, it's, it's also part of the whole idea that I totally agree with that part of the problem with offense and baseball is that pitching has advanced so much further than hitting and you have these guys throwing a hundred like it's nothing um and just that you could teach how to throw a ball better so much better than you can teach how to hit a ball better um and the defensive positioning kind of just makes that worse from the perspective of a hitter um just in terms of like it's it's easy to notice the patterns of where a guy hits the ball but it's really hard to hit the ball someplace else and so you've got the the incredible pitching and the incredible fielding. And the result is, I mean, what we're seeing right now, which is, you know, what's the major league average right now? Is it like two? Is it even 240? 230, yeah. Here, no, here, here's a question, though. How many of those guys are getting out on balls in play that are not flyouts? Yeah. They're strikeouts and they're flyouts that were expected to be home runs. I think a lot, I mean, okay, this is speculation. I've not checked the numbers, but strikeout mm-hmm. numbers I know are up. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And, and so I'm not, I mean, I don't think the three true outcomes equation probably works as well as it did, but it's not something that the teams can pivot immediately to, to change to. Yeah, I mean, you because you, you have to, guys, guys are learning to do this, you know, in the minors to do strikeouts versus or home runs because it's been the most effective way to win ball games. And it's just, that's how it works out. Uh, but if we can get a ball that it's more effective to get a base hit. And I like your mentioning about, you know, the, the essentially pitchers have gotten so they can throw harder and things. So why not just have the ball leave faster? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean it, almost, it almost sounds like it balances out. Yeah. You know, making the fielders react more quickly in yeah. the same way you're forcing the hitter to react more quickly might even out. I don't know. Possibly. It, it, it's, it, I'd, lo- I'd love to see it. I'd love to see them try. It's not yeah. just, to me, though, it's not just the it's not just the velocity, um, although obviously pitchers are throwing harder and harder. Like, that is a, that is a fact. But I think that like to Maggie's point about the technology of pitching and like driveline and all these other places being so far ahead of the technology mm-hmm. of hitting a part of it is also like it I, I love watching this unfold even if it's like it depending on what style of baseball you prefer it might be like frustrating in the moment when baseball is not in its in the style you prefer but I like watching this cat and mouse game between hitting and pitching because the hitters adjusted to the previous era of pitching by doing launch angle right and that is what launched the launch angle revolution and then we got all of the hitting kind of being a leg up and now the pitchers were like all right I'm just gonna (laughs) throw 
100 <laughs> miles an hour, but I'm going to throw it three inches higher and you try to hit that out of the damn ballpark. And now people are hitting fly balls because they're under everything because pitchers realize <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. live up in the zone and I'm going to throw it harder than you can catch up to. And so like now the hitters just have to figure it out. Like you either have to lay off stuff high or you have to be able to hit it. Like you have to adjust it. You can't like try to launch angle everything when it's up in the zone and it's just yeah. it's it's going to be interesting and it takes hitters a, a while to react to that and we're kind of seeing it happen now where like all these all these things that were previously home runs or fly balls now is just exacerbating <laughs> what was already there with pitchers <laughs> living up in the zone I, I will admit that i do not be after the last you know what, between 2017 and 2019, I do not begrudge the pitchers right now. What no, they're doing. They, they deserve a year of just kicking everyone's ass. They kind of do. <laughs> kind of do. You I know, no quite. Like, how many home run records have we broken? Jeez, come on, let them break a few pitching records. Well, but yeah, I, I like the, the whole, what you're saying about that letting teams and players in the sport adapt i mean that's actually been one of the things that's making me craziest is there's you know like the whole let's throw in a new rule because to somehow do this quick fix that really shouldn't be addressed as a quick i mean i'm just waiting to hear what mlb comes out with for the we're going to i mean right now it's the move the mound back thing like right okay i'm not yeah. really sure that's a good idea it's a bad no. idea um, I think. They're, they're a bunch of stupid things uh so but it's the yeah we want to fix this immediately when really no it's something that does have to take going through the team and changing changing the way it's played and and having the right players playing together and you know Please just leave the shift alone. Simply <laughs> learn to hit the other people. way, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it, oh no, like the offense is down. We must limit defensive shifting. It's like, you know what? If you if you want to get a hit when you're being shifted on, hit it against the shift then. I don't know what to tell you. Like hit the ball the other I, way. I did some really damn good analysis. It was it was presented actually I didn't give the talk, but at uh, at Sabre twenty twenty, uh, for my my real job. Uh, at SMT about, you know, hitting against the shift. And yeah, it's absolutely doable. And it turns out, by the way, you do not hit, uh, you don't hit opposite field. What you do is you hit it, like if, if you're a lefty, um, if you're uh, a lefty pull hitter, you hit center field to right at the center, slightly left field. Right. And that's far and away. And it doesn't either, either line drive or fly ball. Both of those are the best. And it works. And it was it's, it was really cool actually finding players who did. Oddly enough, Rowdy Telez was one where when we looked at his his numbers, um, as soon as they shifted on him, he actually got better at hitting to those spots. <laughs> it was kind of like, wow, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> he compensates really well. So it's like every time we see him get a hit against the shift, they're like, yeah, we found that. <laughs> Well, so. Rob Darling, I mean, talking about, you know, having to make the adjustments. Um, I love hearing Ron Darling talk because he's just so interesting to listen to. Mm -hmm. But so he was talking about this and he said it's easier for pitchers to make it. I mean, maybe Jacob deGrom is not the best example because he's a freak, but he can like literally adjust like batter to batter or like within an inning to inning. But that he used the example of Chris Bryant who had to change his swing and he had to spend like a whole off season perfecting his new swing. So it's just, and he was also saying like, just the way the game is being a batter, you're always going to be reactionary. It's just the nature of the game. So, you know, now that, you know, there's a new ball or shifting or whatever, the batters are just going to have to react to that. And, you know, it just it takes longer for them to make those adjustments. Like you said, the hitting against the shift, or but they're not going to do it overnight. It's going to be a long process, and then baseball reacts, and then you know, get all these unintended consequences that maybe if you had just given them more time, mm -hmm. it you yeah. wouldn't get these random things. Yeah, maybe if they just like made the same baseball for more than. 12 months in a row. <laughs> I'm good with that. You know, or I mean, is that the same, the same like, like, supposedly flawed baseball? Can we go back to that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Like, so, yeah, just, but, like, stop, like, meddling when there shouldn't be meddling. Bingo. I, I, I look forward to the spring, to, like, opening day, to getting baseballs, and opening up and being like, oh, yeah, cool, this is boring. Next. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. not happened yet, <laughs> but yet that, it gives you it gives you uh, work to do. <laughs> uh huh. I want a vacation. <laughs> can I like? Can I get Manfred to pay for like six months of my life off so I can go sit on a beach somewhere? Honestly, Probably you not. should. I think I'm going to title this episode "Petition to Give Meredith Wills a Vacation." <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's what this episode is called. <laughs> I like that. So because we have a couple minutes before we get to um, walk off wins, another like this is kind of unrelated to, you know, baseballs and offense and what's driving it, what's not driving it. But it's another like phenomenon we've seen in the game this year that we've talked about on the podcast before. And I'm curious about your input on it. So another thing that's been discussed at great length early in this season is the rise in injuries, particularly soft tissue injuries in Major League Baseball. And I think that people have their various theories about it a lot of them having to do with the shortened season last year and just the fact that guys were not prepared for you know the 162 game season and it's just so that's another thing that it's kind of like I mean obviously our Mets are the shining example of this right now they're at a point where they can barely field a team so like how sustainable is this like what can we do at this point all right, Patrick Mazika just got another hit. So he did. I, of course he I did. Think, I think the, the answer to your question is anything is possible if you just dream in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> there is no dream too big. This is the thing method, is that it? Yeah. yeah. Patrick yeah. Mazika is the Mets, like, eighth string nobody, and... Um, <laughs> He has like three walk-offs, and yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Aren't those those are the best players though? Those are my I, favorite yeah the best players. players. Yeah. Oh no! He was question. the first ever to have two walk-offs before his first hit. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, I uh-huh. think so. Yeah. Like going back to like nineteen hundred or something crazy. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. The uh, um. <laughs> the only thing that comes to mind, and this just like an obvious one, so I, I, I'm sure there's a good reason like the people have already come up with against it is guys you know we we're still like in this pandemic and everybody's schedule has been so thrown off that i don't care how well they thought they were working out in the off season they weren't in their normal groove in the off season they couldn't have been um, and so it might just be that, you know, it, for any number of things, some of it might be working out. Some of it might just frankly be stress. You know, actually, I know, I know guys where they've talked, you know, in the game where it's like, they're not used to spending quite this much time with their small children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and they Surprise. love their small children, but not 24 seven, you know, and, and we've all kind of been crazy. Actually, no, I wouldn't say kind of, we've all been insane. Um, but that could very well have affected how they've been able to prepare. And I'm not, I don't think people should be surprised that there are more soft tissue injuries, but I also don't think that there's like going to be a magic, anything that they've all done wrong. It's just, everybody's been thrown off. Nobody has lived a normal life for the last 12 months. More than that. Yeah. I had my fair share of pandemic injuries related. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So could this just be an anomaly? Because I think even Luis Rojas mentioned it. I mean, he's been dealing with it basically for the past two months now. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, baseball has to come up with a way to keep its stars on the field. Like Mike Trout not being on the field makes the whole sport worse. Jacob DeGrom not being on the field makes the whole sport worse. Like you need these stars to mm-hmm. you know keep interest in the game. So... I don't. Well, the Angels need to market themselves better. The, yes, for, that. Yes. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't even get me started there. I mean, I'm sorry, Trout I mean, and Otani. Well, Otani. Otani then Trout should be at the top of everybody's like automatic think of list, and they're not as much as they should be. Yeah. Well, um, I imagine part of the answer is that I I would guess that a lot of them made a big deal about getting back to normal and doing like your regular routine, and they probably don't need their regular routine. They need a different routine. Right. That's a, that's a very good way to think about it, actually. Yeah. 
But no, I, I, I would like to hope that this is an anomaly. You know, I don't know how COVID is going to affect our lives going forward, but at least by assuming that we're still dealing with something, I mean, if that turns out to be the case, at least we'll have gone through one winter already. And so people might have a bit more of a feel for how to deal with things. We'll already have vaccines. You won't be as freaked out. I don't know. Um, but no, I mean, it's, I don't, how would I put it? I think the injury stuff probably should have been expected, frankly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think people should yeah. act as surprised. They should not be as surprised as they are. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, the Mets, like, they built, they built, like, we were talking about it in the off season, how, or at the end of the off season, how for the first time, and we couldn't remember how long, the Mets built legitimate organizational depth, but they've blown through it in the course of, like, three weeks, just because it's, it's the sheer number of players on the injured list is too many for any single team to withstand. It doesn't matter how much depth you have if... 17 players are on the injured list. Now, has, it been has it been primarily pitchers? Uh, no. It's for been the all Mets, it's everyone. Everybody. For everybody. All okay. Everyone. Yeah. I, I remember the Rays having like 11 pitchers on the, the ILs. Like, you're kidding, right? I mean, I think it's more, I, I think if there's any disproportion, I think it's disproportionately hitters. Yeah. But, okay. But there's also, I mean, the thing is, there's all there's plenty of soft tissue injuries, but there's also all the freak stuff, like the hit on the hand and the hit on the face, although that may loop back around and maybe a baseball that that has, you know, crazy break on those curveballs is also. Oh, yeah. The, the guys getting guys getting hit is head. that's. That's that an, I mean, that's that's one way I think you can tell that there's a pro that the baseball is behaving differently yeah. is that yeah uh i god i mean you uh, no was it uh wilson Contreras early on kept getting hit up high over and over and over and i was i was at uh you guys know sarah sanchez yes yeah. we yeah. have sarah so, right, right. so sarah, sarah and i were, were at a game and you know Contreras. i i don't know if he actually got hit or just almost and she was treating it like you know because He's her guy. And uh, like, you know, there was somehow this vendetta against him. I'm like, it, you know, meanwhile, it was the, it was like a 2-0 count. There was nobody. On, there was there was like no good reason to have thrown at him at all. Nothing had happened. I'm like, one, I don't think that happened on purpose. And two, I'm pretty sure there is not a league-wide vendetta out to get Wilson Contreras, even though he keeps almost or being hit in the same place. I think they're just trying to brush him back, and because the ball is breaking the way it is, a brush back suddenly becomes a very dangerous hit by pitch. Um, and so we, that's we actually, saw. in fact, the pitchers, they're pitchers who are probably having to compensate big time for that, because if you, if you do have a ball that is, is breaking more, you know, and you're not prepared for it to break more, or maybe it's not doing quite what you want, you know, somewhere along those lines, I'm not going to pretend to to know the, the all the subtleties, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some outings where watching guys um, like Anderson and Gant, who's a starter for the the Cards, and uh, saw him uh, pitching against the Brewers, and I swear his curveball it was like watching Nuclelouche. You know, I was just waiting for him to hit the ball. <laughs> um, and and he, he's one of the card starters and it was weird like you could literally tell oh yeah that was another curveball because it would have sailed like three feet over the batter's head or because it landed four feet in the dirt in front of the plate or whatever it's just it's like it was so weird to watch yeah and when there was you have no guys, and when you have guys throwing with such increased velocity and mm -hmm. they have less command of that velocity to begin with and then you add the baseball into that it's right. just, it compounds a really dangerous problem. I mean, you know, we, we, we talked about this last week. We saw it with the Mets. Kevin Pillar had potentially the most gruesome version of this injury we've seen so far this year, getting hit flush in the face, multiple nasal, nasal fractures. Like, that's the, that's the scariest thing I've seen since I was at a game when David Wright got hit in the head by Matt Cain and he dropped like a sack of potatoes and I thought he was dead. Like, it's, yeah, it's I've, I've, terrifying. Yeah, I've... 
Jeff Baker, I remember seeing that happen to him years ago with the Rockies. And yeah, it was a down, I was down for way too long. It's like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's an, yeah. And that can well, ruin careers. Like it can, you can, can ruin careers yes. on both sides for the pitcher too. If he gets scared. Yep. The, the Braves pitcher who hit, uh, Pilar, by the way, has since been optioned to the minors because he's, he was really bad after that first string. I mean, like he's going to, he's going to, uh, uh, he's probably worth keeping an eye on watching pull a Rick and Keel. Yeah. Now, I, don't, I don't mean that as anything with and Keel, but just, yeah, you know, it totally pitching is so mental. And if you're afraid, then there are a lot of other positions you can play well. Well, Ronnie, again, not to keep bringing up Ron Darling, but he keeps making good points. Um, He said if you move the mound back a foot, he was like, you might get slower velocities, but more break on the ball, which he thinks will lead to more like increased hit by pitches. Because he was like, if when you watch the ball cross the plate and where the catcher catches it, the catcher almost catches it in a different spot after it crosses the plate. And now like where the catcher catches it will be the plate. So there'll be more movement on the ball. So it just seems like, you know, it's it could lead to even like worse outcomes. Well, not not to mention the fact that suddenly guys are going to have to totally refigure out their control. Yeah, because I mean, they've been pitching what since since they were teenagers, at least uh, at 60 feet, six inches. And, you know, foot may not seem like a lot, but yeah, just not again. Even there, fine. Move the mound. Move the mound starting at like, you know, showcase level or something. Yeah. And work your way up. This that's actually one of the biggest issues I have with the rules changes. I mean, the 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 change in pickoff moves, you know, that makes me nuts. Yeah. You know There's no way they're going to be able to adjust to that. It's no. like, it's insane. <laughs> it's going to get in, it's going to I mean, you, you want you want guys, you want to get in pitchers heads. That's like it's like they pick the perfect rule change to s- mentally screw up an entire generation of pitchers. The only rule change I support that they're testing in the minor leagues is the bigger bases because, like, that's fine. It's it's to avoid you know, pe- it's to avoid injuries. You're actually trying to cut down on injuries. It makes sense to give the give them more surface area and avoid like stepping on ankles and all that stuff. Actually, one thing that struck me particularly, again, with this new baseball, um, I don't understand, and I should point out, watching recently, some teams are doing this more. There are absolutely guys who are no longer sliding head first all the time. More teams are doing it where they're sliding feet first. They're going back to that. Sliding feet first makes a lot more sense particularly for something like a pickoff it depends on the catcher because you're in a position to do a pop-up slide if the throw is bad right and i don't think you gain anything or not nearly as much as they think diving for the base i'm not sure the trade-off is enough but meanwhile if the ball sails then yeah you're on third yeah particularly because of shifts Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so, so, yeah, please take advantage of the shift, you know, slide, slide feet first. Um, or at least don't always slide head first. But yeah, the, uh, um, I could see the bigger, there was one that was brought up. It's, it's the only rule that, rule change that I'm actually reasonably okay with. And that's because I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't like DHs. I'm sorry. You no, know, we're I, anti-DH here. Okay, yeah. We're I, I, I company. just know so many people who like who think that's... But um, it, wouldn't it be nice if all pitchers could be like Otani and DH just became unnecessary? It would be. Right? It'd be great. Well, and also how funny that it is that every team that's been no hit, well, besides Baumgartner, has been mm-hmm. an American League team. <laughs> True, good point. So, what did DH get you there? Exactly. <laughs> also, Jacob Degrom is like the best hitter on the Mets. So <laughs> there, there, there absolutely have been. Yeah, definitely seen some teams like that. But, um, but no, the whole uh, that once you pull your starter, you lose your DH. I like that. I'm, I'm okay with that one. Yeah, I like that better. Uh, yeah, and and frankly, I would prefer that to. Um, to the forcing your reliever to see three batters 
because, you know, speaking of not helping pace of play, if you've got a shitty bullpen, uh, yeah, way to lengthen the game, guys. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're forcing yeah. us to watch him walk someone three times. The next three guy. times. And then the next guy. Right. Exactly. And then here so, comes the three run bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, it's, again, it, it can't. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the the DH being contingent on the starting pitcher, I like, um, and and that that one that one's fine. Uh, but I think I, frankly, I'm afraid to admit I like anything that MLB does to try to change the game. After having said I like the new ball, so whatever. <laughs> the only change I feel like I would really want to see, at least in terms of like cutting down on strikeouts, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm would be enforcing the strike zone as a, as written, which is much smaller than the modern strike zone is, but it's in the rule book. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing really stopping them from being like, okay, well, now you have to pitch to what it says in the rule book. And I think the, mm-hmm. the catch with that is that you'd have like, you'd have like a 15% walk rate league wide for a year. It would be brutal, but... Mm-hmm afterwards then you're you are you're getting the pitchers who are backing off a little on velocity to to get that extra control and i don't know i mean i know it would never happen again because of like the the like year-long dead zone while pitchers figure out what the heck they're doing but it would solve a lot of problems umpires have gotten much i mean like I'd have to track down. I mean, I know I've seen a graph of it, but like somebody did went and tracked this because they're, you know, in the same way that, you know, we'll look at the K zone stuff. Umpires use that for evaluation. Like they go back and they look at their own games. Umpire home run calls, except if Ranger Hernandez have gotten better and better and better and better over the years. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're sort of starting to get a, to a point I suspect kind of like the uncertainty on the baseball where it's like, um, unless you want to go to robo entirely, please God, no, uh, can, you know, human beings are going to not be perfect on this. And it's not, it, it kind of just comes down to how much do you want to automate the game as it were. Now I, I you can also tell I don't like robo <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't, I, I like having the, the information there, but much more for evaluating and promoting umpires than for, um, than in place of umpires or that the, the, you know, the, the earpiece or whatever that tells the umpire if it's a ball or a strike, you know, presumably if the guy is bad enough at his job, there should, they should find a way for him to not keep his job. But that's something that they have to deal with in their own, you know, I guess, CBA negotiations as well. Um, yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, I realize I'm being, like, totally contra- contradicting you there. But it's, I'm not sure it's quite as bad. It might be, it might be worth looking at, like, what the zones used to look like versus what they look like now and trying to come up with what a reasonable bar is. Sort of getting rid of the guy behind the plate entirely. Yeah. yeah. Depends on the guy. Depends on the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree about robot umps. I think that, like, the like the obvious issue with, with replay review is just, like, if it lasts longer than 30 seconds or a minute, then, then the call on the field stands. Like, it, it, you just need to, like, speed up the, the replay review process <laughs> and not, like, stand around deciding for you know, for an hour about whether a guy, like, lifted his foot off the base for a microsecond. Like, you just have to make, if, if it's not an obvious miss, then the call on the field stands. The replay I, I wouldn't mind if they found a way to just make stolen base calls unreviewable. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's unlikely to happen because I think that's one of those things that the, the, sport, the, the sports betting outlets Oof. want to be accurate oh god the influence of sports betting in the game is like a whole nother podcast that yeah so so i think i think as far as i know that's why the the strike the stolen base reviews aren't going anywhere is not because of the game but because of the gamblers yep 
Yep. So that fun. Oh yeah, that there 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 are no problems. There, you know, what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> oh, yeah. no issues, none. Oh man, what could possibly go wrong with you know integrating gambling into into baseball? Um, Historically, it's such a gambling-friendly sport. Right? Yeah, I, I know, I know, no. and, and especially when MLB gets a cut. Yep, Ugh. it's it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will be the subject of another podcast. I was going to say I'm not the right person. I'm sure there are really good people. I'm sure you can talk to yeah, about that. I'm not like the right people person. out there that are not us that should that should cover yeah. this. Um, I mean, yeah. like we're happy to have someone on to talk about it, but I'm not uh, remotely an expert in that either. Other than I, I feel the influence is a negative thing. Um, yep. But if yes. you know somebody who is super knowledgeable about sports betting and good on podcasts, send them our way. Send them our way. I. I'll ask. I can think of one or two people, yeah. <laughs> or just like any like our our friendly our friendly listeners. Mm-hmm. If, if yeah, anyone. Yep, send them our way. But um, in the meantime, we will end the show on a happy note with walk off wins, like we always do, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Meredith Wills, what is your walk off win? Actually, my my walk off win, and I'm 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 taking uh, a liberty since I wasn't here last week. Um, so, uh, dear friend of mine uh, had a baby, so her first uh, on sixth. Um, her name is Maggie, which I thought you get a kid, and not not <gasps> short for anything. Name. It is just Maggie. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so happy for her because she's 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 wanted kids forever, and she's like. Um, Allison, you'll appreciate this. She's a um, she has the top postdoc at St. Jude's. She Aww. may actually be the smartest person on the planet. If anybody will cure cancer, it will be Mary Beth. Yes, um, quite quite literally. And and yeah, and so now there is a tiny little Mary Beth named Maggie who will hopefully be just as smart and stubborn as she is. That's so. awesome. Well, well, congratulations. Yeah. Root for the Mets, Maggie. It can only end well. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I, I did get her to come to Rockies games when we were in Colorado, and I've been interested. You know what? Come to think of it, I did manage to drag her to a couple Mets games. Nice. She yes. might have seen two Johan Santana no hitters, or not no hitters. You mean complete games? Wow. Oh, which was kind of weird. That's yeah, because so like there were only like locked. nine of them, and she was a two. He needs to come to more games. Yeah, yeah. That what you're saying is is that uh, we're gonna pencil her in for the next Jacob Degrom star. Is what you're telling me? Actually, no. My cousin Jake, in fact, is the one. The only two ball games he ever went to were Johan Santana complete games. Oh, and nice. so he thinks that's normal. He's never <laughs> been to another ball game except well, those two. I think he should see Jacob deGrom pitch. I, mean, I agree. Only... I mean, they share a namesake, so... Yeah, they, they do. They do, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, it's I'll, only uh, fair. Next time I, next time I uh, manage to drag him by the ear, I'll make sure it's a Mets game, and I'll make sure it's deGrom. Thank you. We appreciate Thank that. You. We appreciate it. <laughs> Put it. We need it's all the help we can get right now. Anyone can do this <laughs> godforsaken franchise. Um, <laughs> Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, I think I mentioned this last week, but now that it actually happened, my um, my niece's communion was Saturday. Um, I didn't get to go to the church because they were still limiting attendance. Um, but I got to see her in her dress and we got to take pictures and she just looked so grown up and I'm not ready for her to be a little grown up. And then my mom had to watch my nephew while while they were getting ready. And my nephew's going to be four. And he goes, are we getting married? (laughs) Oh, Danny. Very cute. Yeah. So he was good. And, you know, the last time we all got together was Emily's birthday. And then, you know, it was a long, very hard winter. And then now the next time everybody got together was for her communion. So it was nice that we were actually able to get together. First time, like, Everybody was vaccinated, too, which was a good thing. Um, so it just it felt like a normal kind of Saturday backyard party. And, you know, Emily had a good time. Her cousins were all there. And so congratulations, Emily, for making your first communion. Um, Aunt Linda's very proud. That's great. Congrats, Emily. 
Um, Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, okay, so when we were driving back from South Dakota way back in the olden days, um, back in December, I started with Thomas, um, who's my six-year-old, uh, watching for license plates. And like we got a ton of them on that 30-hour trip, of course. Um, it was great. And we decided we wanted to keep doing it. So we put to, we decided what we would do is um, we would count only license plates that we found inside New York City. Um, like in the five within the five boroughs, uh, and we are we're getting pretty close. But the big one uh, landed on Saturday on the way home, sitting in traffic on the West Side Highway. And thank God for that traffic because we sat next to Hawaii. Yes, ten minutes. <laughs> That's a long drive. It was. It was so exciting. I can't. We and everyone was. It was like the end of a long and fun day. So, but everyone was cranky and whining. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here driving. And I'm just like, "Oh my god, it's Hawaii!" And like everyone starts freaking out. It was very exciting. So, you know, as a as a license plate aficionado, um, it was really just a a great highlight of my life. <laughs> I don't That's know, like the white whale, a Hawaii license plate. It was. It was awesome. And I like to think, I like to imagine that the guy kept his Hawaii license plate just to make people's lives happier, just to like give them a moment where they're like, holy shit, what did I see? <laughs> so if you keep doing that, um, you, this either counts as like, this is like a cheat or just make it off limits is if you go to the Grand Canyon, you're going to get 30 different license plates just in the parking lot. Oh yeah, done this. So um, yeah, so so that's got to be like that can't count. But if anybody um, knows someone whose car is registered in Nevada, Wyoming, or North Dakota, please send them to Inwood in Manhattan, and they can just park <laughs> anywhere along Broadway, and we'll see if that's fine. Thank you. Have Have y'all gotten DC yet? I know that it's like not. Yes, a- we got DC. We got DC. We got diplomatic place. We got Ontario and Quebec. Because uh, I was going to say, it's not that rare from a perspective of that it's far from New York, but I feel like <laughs> oh, there are so few of them. diplomatic plates are easy because oh, yeah. of, the, of the UN. Yeah, the One UN. of my best yeah, friends it's, it's, in high school, her dad worked there and she had diplomatic plates. So she was like the scariest driver in the world because she knew no one would pull her over. <laughs> I swear. It was terrifying. Yeah, our uh, our Amazing Avenue compatriots, I remember one of the first things that they asked me, like, when we moved to D.C. and I was talking about, like, how we were getting all the car stuff in order and registering the car. They were like, did you get the badass taxation without representation license plates? And I was like, sure did. I, I don it on my car proudly every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but anyway, so um, my walk-off win for this week is a very simple one, which is that over the weekend, Michael and I went to a shopping mall in person. <laughs> it was the first oh, time wow. that I've, like, gone shopping in person since before the pandemic, I think. I've, like, ordered tons of stuff online. I did go on a very brief like pop into an outlet mall when because my vaccination site where I actually got my vaccine was at an outlet mall so I was like I'll just buy myself a little something as a treat just like vaccine day and so I did like very briefly but this was like the first time where I was like I need some things and I will go to this to the mall and buy some clothes that I need on my body (laughs) and it was amazing i was like yay i get to actually like try stuff on instead of have anxiety about ordering clothes online and have them not fit and have to return them <laughs> uh, it was it was fabulous and i just had we just had a really nice day and like because uh, because the whole time we've lived in dc like it's been during covid like there's so many things that are around that i just like like that I just didn't know like this is the first time I've been to an outlet mall and I was like I didn't know this outlet mall was 15 minutes from our apartment like who who knew <laughs> like I don't know things that are outside of my neighborhood really because like I feel like I don't know this out there. there's a whole world out there I feel like I don't know the city that I live in even though I've lived in it for almost a year because I've barely gone out um so I'm like really excited to get to explore my city more um this summer so that's that's very simple just shopping in person trying on clothes in a fitting room like a normal person 
Um, so yeah, uh, that does it for the show this week. Dr. Meredith Wills, where can people find you on the internet um, and read all of your fantastic baseball-related work? Wow. Well, internet, I uh, basically Twitter, um, and I'm I'm remiss everywhere else. So even if I have an account, I haven't checked in forever. And that's uh, at Baseball Astrophysics that you guys will put on there because I'm not even going to try to spell it. Yeah, we will. Um, and uh, the most recent work is uh, is an article actually by Stephanie Epstein uh, in Sports Illustrated from, it's actually the March issue, but it came out February 9th, and it's about my work, and everything before that are various articles in The Athletic. And, uh, you know, I guess keep the baseballs coming. I'll keep, try to keep the results coming, and we'll, and we'll see how it goes. And where can find you on Ravelry? Oh, and I'm at Rockies fan, a Rock, Rockies fan on on Ravelry. Um, so yes, definitely there. And for our crossover uh, audience, we know you're here. Yes. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and fans. and for 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 people who are baseball people and knitters, um, keep in mind that every baseball you send me after it, you know, gives its body to science, it will <laughs> then um, end up as some knitting something for fundraising for the hall of fame which is so it's all gonna it's all gonna be well used and in particular well used for knitting which considering that the big change this past year was related to the yarn meaning they gypped me yarn so i'll need more of the sorry i hadn't thought about that before damn all right Mm -hmm. never mind we'll leave that um, and we will and we will absolutely link the article about the 2020 baseballs and sports illustrated in the show notes and in the tweets for this week. So you can go check that out. Um, but in the meantime, you can also go to amazingavenue.com, Check out all of our fantastic content. We've got game recaps for you. If your head is spinning, trying to keep up with the uh, who's on the Mets roster at this time. Don't worry. We've got you covered. Uh, you no can go to amazingavenue.com. No one. No one is on the Mets roster. Yeah, no, no one. Not a single person. Like um, I said, their IL is the Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like. But you I, can tweet, I literally tweeted that, Linda. I literally <laughs> tweeted that like uh, maybe two weeks ago, and it's become even more true ever since. Um, so, so yeah, you can go to MaysonAvenue.com, check out all of our analysis, recaps, various things. Um, please subscribe to this podcast, AA Audio, on uh, whatever podcast app of your choice um you can follow the show on twitter at a pot of their own you can follow amazing avenue on all the social medias facebook twitter and instagram at amazing avenue you can follow each of us on twitter i am at petite phd where are you linda at linda service and you maggie at Maggie162. And if you do subscribe to the podcast, please also rate and review the show. It really helps other people find it. The original intro and outro to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.